Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Brianna Hobiton and today we will be talking about Hail Caesar, the Fifth Wave, and National Parks Adventure. So right now we are speaking with the wonderful 13-year-old Jerry from California with Hail Caesar, which seems like a very funny film. So Jerry, can you please tell us your initial thoughts on this film? No. When I first saw that it was directed and wrote by the Coen brothers, I was a little bit excited about this film, but I don't think I've ever seen a comedy by them before. So I was a little bit surprised, but I was pleasantly surprised after the end of the film. It's a very interesting film because it has a very complex, very smooth written story. Great job from Coen brothers for that. But the comedy, the comedy is beautiful. It's perfect. It's original. Every single part of it's original and just makes the audience laugh nonstop. And I was just amazed. But one of the main parts I love more about it was the cinematography. They clearly thought really deeply about the cinematography because each shot was its own masterpiece. So overall, I absolutely love the film. I'm glad you do. When I see the trailer for this film and I see who plays in it, like George Clooney and Scarlett Johansson and Tilda Winton and, and all these other great actors and actresses, I get really excited. So I'm glad that you liked it because I kind of I kind of see films on whether you or Kiefer or Jerry or, or Raven and other film critics and I, that's what we do. We help other people make decisions when the decision is too hard. So, Jerry, since I listed some of the actors in this film, can you please tell us how you thought the acting was? I thought it was perfect for each role, and the cast is amazing. I mean, we have Josh Brolin, who plays Eddie Mannix. We have George Clooney. Oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry for the pronunciation of this character name. Bray Whitlock. Alden Entrich, who played Hobie Doyle. We have Scarlett Johnson, who played Deanna Morin. I mean, just the cast goes on and on. They really got the A-team so to speak, together for this film. It was a perfect cast. Each played the role as if they were born into that role and just playing themselves. And they all played it hilariously, even if their roles were somewhat dramatic. I mean, I do love films that have one or two really recognizable people and actors that you're like, oh my gosh, this person's in this film, which kind of entices you to go see it. But I love when they have these A-team films and it's like all these actors and actresses and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out because this is going to be so awesome and amazing. So there are a lot of different characters in this film and it seems like a very complex film I don't know if it actually is complex I should ask you that right now so is it complex because it seems like it's very complex with all of the stories and different things but I do not know you saw it not me so pretty much how it works is that it follows one main like executive at a studio let's like it like a paramount sort of studio and his name is Eddie Mannix and he's dealing with two situations at once first we have Scarlett Johnson's character Deanna Moran dealing with something with her child. She was a single mother. Times were a lot different when this was supposed to take place in the 1950s and 60s. And then we have Bray Whitlock who's shooting the last scenes of this film that's very exciting. And he gets kidnapped by very philosophical different types of people. And they're pretty much telling him that you need to start boycotting the studio. 
video. So it is a very complex and in-depth story, especially with the whole philosophical part about the kidnappers pretty much talking to him about how everything works in a very interesting and unique way. And I'm surprised they could make it funny, but they did a perfect job of it. Do you think, I know that you said it, it was perfect and, and things like that. Do you think that at some point it clashed at any moment? Because seeing the trailer of this film and reading the synopsis, you, you would definitely think that it would clash. Well, it definitely concentrated more and more on Bray Whitlock's story. I probably would say that Scarlett Johnson maybe had three scenes, maybe four scenes total talking about her story, which I think was good. It kind of showed that his main focus is on all of the studio, and, but it still showed that this is the main focus of the film. I don't think it, you could say it really clashed because they just did a beautiful job of outlining the story so it's smooth, so it's separated nicely, so each part seems like it fits where it's supposed to be. Otherwise, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. And this film is 13, and hearing what you're saying about it with the comedy and all the different stories and it being in the 1950s, a little bit more mature. What are some things that you would want parents to look out for, you know, if allowing their kids to see this? You know, I would think to mention really kind of uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. Sorry, I mispronounced the last name, but I would really talk about her because she's more mature. She's more of a mature kind of comedy. She's supposed to be a little bit more rougher kind of character. And also the whole aspect aspect of the kidnapping because what pretty much happens is some pretty interesting stuff and what happens towards the end is uh, some topics that could be discussed. I don't really want to spoil too much because what I'm trying to hint at would be spoiled, but mm-hmm. I think that's what only parents should be worried about. In terms of language, there's really none. Like I said, Jar- Scarlett Johansson's character Deanne Moran sometimes may say a few things, but that's really it. Yeah, and when people think of PG-13 or movies that are higher than that, they're like oh, it's just language. And I'm like, no, it's, you know, sometimes a movie is PG-13 or, or R or things like that because of the language, but that's not always the case. It, it may be the comedy, it may be this, that, and the other thing, so it's good to clear, like, hey, you're not going to hear a bunch of this and that and the other thing. I mean, there are some, as you said, with Scarlett Johansson, but not much. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we will be talking about Hail Caesar, the Fifth Wave, and National Parks Adventure. So right now we are continuing to speak with Jim about Hail Caesar and we were just talking about Dina Moran uh, played by Scarlett Johansson has a few words here and there that parents should look out for but other than that the comedy and everything is a-okay so Jerry how many stars do you give this film I I have a guess but I'm just going to let you say it I give this film five out of five stars because it just did a beautiful job putting all the pieces together this story is a very complex like I said a hundred times now it's a very complex it's a very detailed story and you think this would be a drama this would be an action but it is a perfect comedy. It was just hit on spot. And what I love even more about it, they incorporated a lot of music, a lot of dancing, a lot of choreography in it, which you would never expect in a film like this, but it played out perfectly, played out smoothly, and it played out beautifully. The title of this film is Hail Caesar, which is a historical figure, obviously, and this film is set in the 1950s. So how do you think those two time periods kind of mesh together? Well, actually, Hail Caesar, that was pretty much just the the t- title of the film Braid Woodlock was playing, it was exactly called Hail mm. Caesar. Gotcha, gotcha. But the time of 1950s, especially with the kidnappers, it has a lot, and I mean a lot to do with what 
was going on. I'm just going to kind of hint at it. Think about what was going on in the 1950s and 60s worldwide. And that's pretty much what was going on. It was mainly focused on what was going on there. And you learn more about it deeper in the film. But yeah, it was very detailed and very connected. They dressed everybody up. They made all the sets perfectly. A lot of times they made a studio set in a studio set for a film, which was pretty ironic, but it was, it looked spot on. I really like period pieces or somewhat period pieces or anything that has to deal with a time that's not our own because as we enter, get deeper into 2016, I kind of have reflected like, oh my gosh, it's a new year and you kind of think about what's happening around you. and then. But I also have this feeling of I want to see films that came out now, 20 years ago and 30 years ago and films that portray things that happened 20 and 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or however many years ago. So how do you think the wardrobe in this film was portrayed? Oh, it was portrayed perfectly. Scarlett Johansson was in a 1950s, 1960s beautiful dress while the rest of them were in suits. I mean, they really did a good job. They clearly did a lot of research. They clearly looked up pictures because it looks spot on. Even the film, I mean, when they're showing something that was supposed to be like from the quality 1950s, 60s camera, it looked like that. They didn't fake any of it. It looked perfect all the way. Well, I'm glad you thought that. And at the beginning of the interview, you said that when you saw that the Coen brothers were doing this film, writing and directing, you were like, oh my gosh, because you haven't seen them really do comedy. Is there anything else that stood out to you with them doing this film that their other films wouldn't stick out as much, if you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I haven't seen all their films, so I couldn't say for sure, but the musical part, I don't remember seeing any of their films that have a pretty big musical section of it that is mostly choreography, especially. I mean, my favorite scene with Charlotte, Scarlett Johansson was when she was doing beautiful choreography with swimming and music and all of that, and a whole bunch of other scenes were just dancing nonstop. They did in a comedic way, of course, but it was very big, partly comedy and dancing and choreography and I'm just surprised that they would do that because I remember the last film I saw of them was a drama so it was just an interesting change for them yet they did it perfectly. It really shows their range from one side to another just like actors have a range like oh I can do dramatic or or I can do extremely funny or I can do all in between it it says the same for, for writers and directors and all the other people in a film cast so thank you Jerry for talking with us about Hail Caesar. No problem thanks for letting me talk about it. Oh Jerry it's in theaters now guys so Please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hobiton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You from N-Circle Entertainment. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. 
All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our kids' first film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Lainey Anderson, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Hail Caesar, National Parks Adventure, and the Fifth Wave. And today I'm talking to Benjamin, who is 10 years old, about National Park Adventure. Hi, Benjamin. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm doing very good. Thank you. How do you feel about National Park Adventure? I really like a lot of the national parks, but this film sort of, it has some really good cinematography, and I really thought it was a really beautiful film to watch, and I really liked the soundtrack as well. And speaking of cinematography, how did you think the cinematography was? I thought it was really good. It made you feel like you were right there with the three people who were exploring these different national parks. And, you know, I think that's really cool. You feel like you're experiencing it just there, and I really enjoy that movie. Did you enjoy this film or did you think it could be a little boring to some viewers? I think it has an even out of both history and some fun um, scenes that I think will keep the viewer enthralled in what's going on. What kind of history did it have in it? It teaches you about how the national park system first started, how when Theodore Roosevelt took the camping trip to Yosemite. And how did it first start? Theodore Roosevelt took a trip to a camping trip to Yosemite and after the camp trip, he said that Yosemite should be protected from, like, chopping down trees and stuff like that. That's really cool. So they wanted to protect the national park. Yeah. Did you learn anything else, like, other than what you already said about this film? I learned some other stuff about how they go into some detail about how numerous national parks were started and how, like, they became national parks. Did you find that interesting to learn about all the national parks? Yeah, there was definitely some stuff I didn't know, like how the Everglades always started. That's really cool. Since this movie is narrated by Robert Redford, do you think that his 
movie star voice added to the quality of this film? I don't really know if he, he really added to the quality. I mean, he was a good narrator, though. So you enjoyed him still? What was the genre of this film? I'd say it's kind of like a documentary, but it's also sort of a movie based on history, and it's also sort of sometimes has some action. So it's sort mm-hmm. of like its own thing. Wait, what kind of action did it have in it? Because when I watched the trailer, it didn't look like it had any. Sometimes when there was like a little more climbing action, like when they're climbing up a lot of stuff in the film, and there's also a scene with them going ice climbing. Wow, that sounds really scary. How did you think the cinematography was? Because I know that you said that you really enjoyed it, but what about it did you really enjoy? They shot, chose to shoot it on a special type of film rather than like digitally, which I thought was an interesting choice for the film, but it really did make it feel more like it was tell, telling a story. So I liked set the way they chose to shoot it. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching this film, what was your favorite scene? I think my favorite part is when they visit the ice Picture Drax's National Seashore, and when they're climbing up the frozen waterfalls. I think another scene, though, I like is a scene with an adorable scene with prairie dogs. Was that like a little scary? Scary to watch them walk, you know, like climb because you know it's like um, I w- I probably wouldn't do it myself, but it was interesting seeing other people do it. Uh huh. So it was really fun to watch. Is there any national parks that you might want to visit in the near future as a result of this movie? Devil's Tower. It just looks really beautiful to visit. And is there, I, wait, is there anything else that you would like to say about? Not really. I really did enjoy the soundtrack. Uh huh. Oh yeah, the soundtrack. So about the song. So you said that it was kind of on a take from "This Land Is Your Land." Yeah. How did you feel about that? Well, it sort of made it feel. It was the music almost made it feel like some of the songs. They kind of had something to do with the movie, like they're about nature. And I feel like "This Land Is Your Land" is the perfect song for a movie about national parks. Mm-hmm. I really love that song. So you feel like the movie added to the movie, right? Uh, the music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, the music. Do you feel that the movie was a good length, or do you feel that 45 minutes isn't enough to thoroughly enjoy this movie? I think they probably didn't want to make it boring for younger kids, too. Because, like, if you made a two-hour documentary, you kind of need to apply to both audiences. And I feel like it does a good job of keeping you watching and not getting bored for this for the 43-minute length. Do you feel that it could have been longer, though? Like, do you feel that... It would have been a good idea to extend the length for people who are older who might watch this film. Maybe like an extra 15 minutes or so. Because mm-hmm. it kind of ended sort of abruptly a little bit. Okay. You're listening to the Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we are talking about Hail Caesar, National Parks Adventure, and the Fifth Wave. And right now I'm talking to Benjamin about National Parks Adventure. Did you think that this movie is family friendly or do you feel like and do you feel like it could be good for people who are going on the field trip or do you feel like it would appeal more to families? I kind of agree with both. I think families can enjoy this film and I also think students on field trips may also enjoy this film as well. That's really cool. If there was a message to this film, what do you think it would be? I think sort of the message of this film 
is try to try to experience the national parks and sort of the how beautiful they are. Yeah, so I guess just to make sure that you just don't hurt the environment or something. So sort of like that. Yeah. Can you tell me about the process they went to make this movie? Well, they had five film crews, and they visited four parks, and in total it took nine months to shoot the film. Wow, that's really cool. So they visited 40 parks. That's a lot of parks. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything that parents should know before they have their kids watching this film? I think maybe that if they're having really young kids, that they might find it boring. Because I don't think younger kids will like enjoy the f- will enjoy the film as much, and they'll probably find it like boring. Mm-hmm. So, what national parks are there? Um, well, they visit the Ice Cape, Pitcherdock Seashore. They visit Devil's Tower. I I remember there was a moment where they go to the. There's a moment where they're rafting on the Grand, in the Grand Canyon. So, in total, I think in the movie, you're going to see a lot of different parks. Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. So how do you s- think... So I can experience oh, the ones across the country. Uh-huh. How do you think that this IMAX movie compares to other IMAX movies? Do you feel I'm- that it's really good, or...? I think it's probably the, my favorite IMAX movie I've seen. And why is that? Because I, I, I really like the national parks, and I found, I found this to, film to be very educational. And I think that it's just a really beautiful film to watch. Oh, that's really cool. What is your rating for this film? I think I give it a perfect rating, 5 out of 5 stars. And why would you rate it that? I believe that you have to see this film because if you're a fan of the National Park and if you're just a moviegoer in general, because you the IMAX is so beautiful, and if you're a National Parks person who likes National Parks, I think it will be interesting for you to see the parks you've been to from the filmmaker's point of view. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of National Parks? Yes, I guess I guess I could say that. Mm-hmm. And what ages would you recommend for this film? 5 to 15. And why would that be? Because I think younger kids will probably find this film boring and not like don't not get the history. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Let's take a break. I'm Lainey Anderson, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You from N-Circle Entertainment. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. 
To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hobiton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We we have reviewed Hail Caesar, National Parks Adventure, and now we are discussing the fifth wave with Jerry. So, Jerry, I <laughs> I'm just going to ask you your thoughts on this film, and I'll let you I'll let you take over that. Yeah. So. At first, I thought this film was going to be amazing. I was like, sci-fi, adventure, special effects. I thought this was going to be an action-packed, really intense, amazing film. And then I watched the film for its two-hour duration, and I was very negatively surprised. The film is okay. It's not the best film, and you're definitely not going to remember it as this great sci-fi adventure. It felt like the whole thing was a two-hour trailer for some sequel that they may or may not wake because they ended the they ended it on a cliffhanger that would look like it'll go on to a second film. The actual two hours had a very floppy backstory. You're constantly questioning, wait, what's going on there? How did they do that? Wait, did that happen there? Then the acting was actually very good. I thought that each person played the role perfectly. But I didn't think the director did a very good job. The director was Jay Blaketon. He definitely did not do the best he could with the story. And there's just so many plot holes that it real it honestly hurts. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like if I saw this film without hearing what you just said, I would feel completely different. Because I read the book, and I really, really, really like the book. But me seeing the film already knowing what's going to happen I think helps with my case because since you didn't know what was going to happen and you assumed you're like oh my gosh yes and and you know people who didn't read the book are going to do that so it's like you I feel like if you're going to make a movie don't make it whereas you have to read the book to 
to understand what's going on. So I definitely share your pain because sometimes we'll be like, I don't know what was going on. They're like, oh, well, the book was great. I'm just like, well, did I read the book? No. So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I'm really glad that the acting was good. Had, they have a lot of different people and, you know, little kids and older kids and things like that. So, But I have to say that while reading the book, I did feel a sense of confusion. It was like they hopped from one story to another and it was like it was getting into sci-fi, but then it was like, nah, let's not. So I understand. <laughs> Since you felt as though this film wasn't sci-fi and action-y, what do you think the majority genre was of this film? I think that they wanted it to be a drama and a little bit of probably the cheesiest romance I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it is cheesy, very. Now, let me, this isn't the actor's fault. I've seen most of these actors in other films and they mm-hmm. did stupendous roles. They just did beautiful in the same tor- sort of genres. I just think the way they pray- portrayed the the romance, it was so cheesy. It was almost laughable. But the problem is if they're trying to go for laughable, it was not a good time. Because like I said, they're going for drama. And the times when they try to make it funny was not good. Like, they're going escaping from somebody. Then they do some cheesy romance. Now you're laughing. It just did not flow very well. It was very abrupt and stubborn. I was just like, really? Yeah. And dealing with romance, I feel like you have to be very delicate with that. Not the subject, but when you film it and when you write things like that and and when you do it. Because there can be so many ways that you'll be like, really? Like, really? And then you see some films and you're just like, oh my gosh, that was awesome, fantastic, amazing. So you said the director of this film wasn't the exact best but did you see any particular spots where it rose higher than other scenes there were quite a few action scenes like my favorite scene was 10 minutes by the way directing wasn't the worst but that's for another question Renny like there was another time that was really good it was when they're showing the first few waves the whole story is pretty much alien race comes to wipe out humanity in a few waves and one girl is trying to survive that but these scenes were talking about the first few waves and what was going on to humanity. The first one was, I believe, a mass EMP. Every single technology was destroyed. As you can imagine, humanity was not doing too good. Next one was massive, massive earthquake, like huge. Like even a small lake would cause a giant tsunami. So as you can imagine, there are some pretty spectacular special effects for coastal cities getting completely destroyed. And that was perfect. I thought they did They did. A, I did cinematography, special effects, acting, and it all portrayed perfectly to be very dramatic, very intense, and borderline horrifying. And then the next one was disease, and that just all flowed so well. Cinematography was beautiful, and that's really the only 10 minutes of the film that I could compliment, because the rest was, it was like they were trying to slack off and didn't really feel like putting that much work into it. I I do feel as though when I read the book that their explanation of the first waves were really in-depth and really detailed and very intriguing. I was like, oh my gosh, because thinking about it, thinking about how, if that was actually a thing, be like oh my gosh that'd be it'd be terrifying and horrible and like omg i'm glad that you really liked those wave scenes you're listening to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids network and today we have talked about hail caesar national parks adventure and now we are continuing to talk with jerry about the fifth wave and we were just talking about 
that his favorite ten-minute scene was the explanation of the first few waves and how they impacted the story. So, Jerry, seeing as this film wasn't exactly your best, do you have a favorite actor? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, I would honestly say Chloe Mortez's character, Cassie Sullivan, who was the main character, because... She played her role perfectly. She was a normal teenage girl living the normal teenage life, socializing, having fun. Then abruptly, her parents are taken away from her. Her brother disappears. Her whole life is flipped upside down. She needs to learn how to survive. She needs to learn how to fight for her life. And I think she plays that perfectly. She's innocent. And she doesn't know how to do any of this. And she's scared and she doesn't trust anybody. Yet she has to trust people. And Chloe, she just did a stupendous job at playing each emotion perfect, emotion perfectly. And that character is hard to play because, like I said, it's somebody who is never used to anything even close to that, just thrown into it abruptly and told to good luck. It's basically like us, like everything's fine. And then all these waves happen over the next two years. After those two years, how do you think you'll react? Like, I feel, uh, you know, what I'm hearing from you and what I read from the book and, and knowing her as an actress, I feel as though she really embodied this character. And I'm glad that you liked her as a main character because sometimes, like, our favorite characters, like, are the characters that you get to see like for like two minutes and you're like oh my gosh I love that guy that guy is amazing and it's like shouldn't the not shouldn't the main character be your favorite character but I feel like the main character should have some indentation on how you like the film so how many stars do you give this film I'm gonna be kind of nice about this and give it three out of five stars only because the acting was perfect like overall perfect directing could have been much better Jay Blakeson really didn't do the best he could but what really, what really I hate about it is the writing. Susanna Grant, Vika Goldsmith, and Jean Jeff uh, Pinker were screenplay writers, and there's just so many plot holes. It was ridiculous, and I understand it's based on a book, but they could have given it a backstory. They had two hours, and they could have removed so many useless scenes that we did not need, like the romance scenes, no offense. And I feel like... They just were lazy about it. I mean, so many times they're wondering, wait a second, why didn't they do that if he's the same age as her? Or why didn't they do, do that? Or wait a second, where the heck did they get that? Or wait, that just disappeared five minutes ago. How is it back there? Or wait, they're having both their arms taken by something, yet they're carrying something? How? It's just so many plot holes and you're questioning so many things after the film. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that this film, not, I mean, they may not make another film, but I, I think for a fact that they did make another book. And it, because that's what I sensed from the end of the book. And I talked to some friends and they're like, yeah, they're doing another book. And I don't know if it's out now. I don't know if it's out in the future. I don't know if she ended up not or, or, or whoever ended up. I'm not making it. I'm not sure. But hearing from you, it does sound like they opened it for another film. If they did a sequel to this film, what do you think it would be about? And do you think it would add anything to this film? So I'm going to try to say this without any spoilers. The film does end on a heavy cliffhanger. Let's just say some humans escape from the aliens and what they're doing in the final fifth wave. And pretty much the book is going to be mainly about the fifth wave. Ironically, the first movie is called, called The Fifth 
fifth wave, yet it really never covers what happened to the fifth wave. So pretty much, I think that's what the sequel is going to cover. It's going to really actually cover the title of fifth wave. Well, I would like to read the next book because I like how the characters sort of developed in the book. I don't know how they developed in the film, but I would like to read another one because it did interest me. And anyway, so what age range do you give this film? This is very mature, very intense, very action-packed which I'm surprised since it has young children, but I give an age rating of 12 to 18. It's rated PG-13, which I think is a little bit straight, but pretty close to right. That's good. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about The Fifth Wave. Thank you so much for letting me share my opinion about this film. I like hearing people who are adamant about their feelings. I like it. The Fifth Wave is in theaters now, guys, so please see for yourself if you like it or not. It seems interesting. Thanks so much for joining with us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Please be sure to check out our blog on the teen section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You from N-Circle Entertainment. Thanks for listening. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To become a Kids First Film Critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. 
Hey, welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and we are talking about the films The Finest Hours, Jonathan Sprout's musical album, American Heroes Number no. 4, Kung Fu Panda 3, and right now we're talking about The Good Dinosaur and also the hidden meaning of it, which is Finding Your Roar. So we're here with the wonderful Samantha. Happy to have you here. Thank you. So let's talk about, first of all, what Finding Your Roar is. Well, finding your roar in the movie is basically finding out who you are and finding your voice, kind of. And in the movie, they did show a lot of that. So um, I think that finding your roar would be finding your voice and having the courage to do that. And I understand that Disney is trying to promote this message with their film. Yes, they are. And I think they really did a good job with that because, like, in the movie, a lot of times you would see that come up, like that message of finding your roar, and you would see the main character in the movie have trouble doing that, but then eventually succeeding and doing it and yeah well i think it's a lovely message to support especially since kids first is about kids find their voice and i that's why what makes kids first wonderful is because we allow kids to have their voice about children's entertainment a little plug in there but it's worth mentioning so let's talk about the film itself good dinosaur nominated for a lot of awards and doing pretty good so uh, let's talk about what you thought of this film because my friends go nuts over it what did you think? I have a lot of mixed feelings about this movie. Really? I mean, I thought it was great. It was a very different Disney movie from anything else I've ever witnessed. I'm not going to give anything away, but I will say that it was very sad. It was an emotional roller coaster for me, and that's <laughs> the main reason I have mixed feelings for it. But it was good. There were some funny parts in there that I really enjoyed, and I like I love Disney movies, so. I love Disney, too. Disney is amazing company they create some great films now getting technical here the animation i understand that the animation for like one scene it took so long to render a lot of the the animation frames in here but i i have yet to see it i know i'm behind on movies but i'm getting ready for oscar season anywho so i hear the animation is spectacular what can you tell me about the animation and what did you love about it well the animation was amazing and i can completely understand why it took them so long to do one scene because since since it was a movie that took place in nature, it was a lot of detail to go into that to make the trees and the water and the animals look real. And it looked very real. A lot of times when movies have like scenarios like that, they wouldn't really succeed like this movie did. This movie, it was almost like a picture taken from on top of a mountain or something. It looked so real. I couldn't like if it didn't have dinosaurs in it, I would actually believe it was a picture taken. Like I would have believed it was a picture taken. Mm. Well, uh, I think it's a good time to bring up a subject. John Bluth, a animator from the eighties and from the seventies and eighties, brought up in an interview brought up that he feels like animation companies have been creating using CG to make things too realistic, and he feels that's that's kind of not a good. That's not he doesn't think that's a good thing to do for the animation for the art of animation because animation is about creating different worlds, over exaggerating characters, and creating so much creativity. And by watering down the animation by just making them realistic to the point that they just look like live action um, defeats the purpose of animation. So, uh, what is what is your point of view on that? Well, this is another thing I have mixed feelings about. I kind of agree. I mean that if animation is too real it kind of defeats the whole purpose of animation but then again if something's animated you can go a lot of different ways with it you can do a movie about anything really and that's one thing i like about animation that'll really never get old because even if it looks real you still can't take the idea and put it in and film it 
in real life, you know? Like, you can't, you can animate anything you want, but you still can't animate, like, this movie. You can't record dinosaurs right now, but you can animate them. And I think that imagination is the whole point of animation. So I think that, for me, that's the whole point of animation. I don't think animation is about over-exaggerating characters and making things look fake. I just think it's about expressing your imagination that you can't express with the camcorder. That's a great point of view. Wow. I was, ex- I have to say that that's a great point to make, definitely. Putting out and putting out being artists. I do, I, I have to mention, I do like how you said, we can't, fi- we can't film dinosaurs now. And I'm like, so we're going to film dinosaurs later in the future? <laughs> That'll be great. Anywho, so I feel yeah. that's, I think that's a great way of looking at animation, especially as an art form and just an, a filmmaker to express their imagination just through animation. So, again, that is a great way of looking at it. Let's talk about the story itself. What do you think about the story? Well, I really like the story personally. It took a lot of different turns for me. And at sometimes in the movie, it would get kind of confusing, but not to the point where I wouldn't understand the movie at all. I really liked the, the storyline. It was original. It was unique. And, yeah, it was like nothing I've ever seen before. Certainly, I, I again have yet to see it. Uh, I, I understand that it's about dinosaur and it, I understand the, the gist of it, but again, it's not about what the movie is about, it's how it's about. That's the thing of filmmaking is story's been told multiple times, but it's just how you execute it and how you perceive this story, whether it's a fish out of water, the hero's journey. Uh, that's what's great about filmmaking, just so many ways of telling stories. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we were talking about the films Kung Fu Panda 3, The Finest Hours, and talk interviewing musician Jonathan Sprout with his album, American Heroes Number 4. And we're going to continue our conversation with Samantha about The Good Dinosaur. Now, we were talking about the animation and how beautiful it was. Now, I'm curious. You also mentioned that it's about the artist. Animation is another format for artists and, and storytellers to tell stories. Are there any stories that you would love to see that you so far know about that has not been turned into an animation? There have been times when, like, in school or online, I've seen, like, old folk tales kind of or like myths kind of that I were really interested in. In school we do learn about myths and stuff. I don't know the exact names of them but there's some myths. I know one about a spider that is like a shapeshifter and he goes and he wanted this magical quest to um to tell a story for his like little kids and it's one I really like and it's one that like never gets old and it would be really cool to see that one turn into an animation and be in theaters. Sounds great. So, Disney, DreamWorks, or whatever animation company, um, did you get that? Did you write that down? If not, we're going to we're gonna tackle that. We're going to take copyright of them. We're going to make it into a film. So, yeah. fantastic. I like that. I mean, I feel like that there's so many stories you can tell of animation, and I'm excited to see. I, I, animation's one of my favorite ways of storytelling because it is, you're all right, depending on your budget, there is no possibilities for what you can create, especially how far technology has gone for animation. Now, what do you think about, are, are you a Disney fan, Samantha? I think that's the first question to ask. Yeah. When you look at the many different films from Disney, all the way from Snow White or Sleeping Beauty, how far do you think we have, uh, do you think Disney has expanded and has gotten better animation, story-wise, character-wise, whatever you want to tackle, throughout the years? Well, Disney has come extremely far. I mean, you look at Snow White, which was one of Disney's first movies, and you can just tell, like, it looked very two-dimensional. It's kind of just like a regular, like, cartoon that we, that you would see on, like, Nickelodeon. But, yeah, the animation has gotten a lot more advanced because I guess they have the technology for it now. It has gotten a lot more advanced, and 
it kind of makes a story. It helps with the story. I mean, and for me, it sometimes it makes it more interesting for me to watch because you can see, you can really see how things are portrayed. It's something that they really came far with. So, yeah. I totally agree. It was actually Tangled, I believe. It was, they had a thing on the DVD where you were able to see all of Disney's animations from Snow White, Seven Doors, all the way to Tangled. And it was just fascinating to see the B-roll of all these different, and how far we've gone with animation, and how beautiful it's gotten, and how the stories have been different, different stories we tell. So, Disney, you've gone a long ways, and Good Dinosaur is another example of how great you are. So, fantastic. Thank you very much, Samantha, for talking about The Good Dinosaur. You are welcome. Thank you for interviewing me. Of course, this film is out, so go check it out if you haven't already. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley. If you want to check out our movie reviews and also our carpet events and press junkets videos, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Also, if you want to be a Kids First film critic, go check out the website to see how you can become one, too. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and this show is sponsored by Guess How Much I Love You by Encircle Entertainment. Thank you for listening. you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Bon appetit! Join us every week for the Paper Hope Street Team. None of our topics are off the table. This is a program that you can listen to and discuss with your family. From the pages of the Paper Hope blog to the Internet radio airwaves, we'll talk about the topics you want to talk about, such as friendship and relationships, or some more controversial issues about sex, drugs, and underage drinking. Join the Paper Hope Street Team live every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Kids channel. Let's talk soon. Tune in every Monday for Purple Songs Can Fly. Our program serves as a musical outlet for children being treated at the Texas Children's Cancer and Hematology Centers. These songs are flown all over the world and even into space. Hundreds of songs have been written and recorded and have been part of shuttle missions, airline in-flight playlists, toured with the Rolling Stones, gone undersea and to the top of Mount Everest. 
Join our hosts for some great music on Purple Songs Can Fly, Mondays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to the tech team. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids.